Okay, good evening everyone. Broadcasting live September didn't put the date. December fifteenth. Tonight's quote is another one from the Kakachupama Sutta. Although the source here says it's from the Rahulavada Sutta. Maharulavada Sutta. Min 62. Uh, it also is in MN 21. I think. Yeah, maybe not. Robin, would you read us the quote, please? Yes. Develop the meditation that is like water, for in so doing, pleasant and unpleasant sensory impressions that have arisen and taken hold of the mind will not persist. Just as people wash away feces and urine, spittle, pus, and blood, and yet the water is not troubled, worried, or disgusted, even so, develop the meditation that is like water. So he's pulling a quote out. Um, develop the meditation that is like water. But the sutta actually says, among other things, that I think we looked at this sutta as well. Looking at so many different things, I can't remember where we were. But there are four meditations. There's the or five. There's the meditation like earth, meditation like uh, water, meditation like fire, meditation like air, and the meditation like space. We must have looked at this sutta recently because it's very fresh in my mind. I think I've been over these before recently. So the meditation like earth is to look at the earth as, uh, or look at, your, look at yourself, uh, think of yourself as the great earth, or think of yourself as, as earth and dirt because the earth doesn't complain when people throw garbage or urinate or defecate on it or dig it up. The earth is not repelled, humiliated, or disgusted. So that agreeable and disagreeable uh, don't affect you. you know? When you are no longer attached to states and results and expectations of how things should be the way you want things to be the way you want to be it's really the only way you have two choices you can either always get what you want or you can learn to overcome wanting there's only two ways to be always happy one of them is is uh, impossible 
and the other is just really, really difficult. So you choose. Can't always get what you want, so there's only one other alternative. Give up our partialities, give up agreeable and disagreeable. Let them go, let them come, let them go, be flexible. Be happy, at peace, no matter what comes. It's very difficult, but not impossible. So like the earth is the water, the water is the quote that we have here. Fire, fire is the same because people burn stuff, they'll throw plastic or they'll throw cow dung or they'll throw whatever into the fire. The fire doesn't complain, the fire burns it all up, just the same. The same way we should practice to burn up agreeable and disagreeable. Be mindful of them all. When we have pleasure, we should be mindful of it. When we have pain, we should be mindful of it. If you understand the meditation, you should never ask, how do I get rid of this? How do I get rid of that? There should be no question of getting rid of something. How do I stop my mind from thinking? How do I find peace, etc., etc.? It's not like that. Meditation is about clear objective observation not about partiality not about expectations not about concern for how things are or how things aren't what what you have or what is missing the meditation on air air is the same it blows all sorts of stuff around it blows on clean things it blows on dirty things not repelled the same way and finally like space and space is interesting space is actually uh, has a different it's not about not being dis disgusted what does he say he says space is not established anywhere space doesn't stick to anything space uh, space doesn't uh, have a limit you know if you if I pull my hands apart, the more space comes. Space is is uh, un what do they say unestablished. It doesn't have a limit. It doesn't have a fixed. It's not. It's, un, it's not fixed. In the same way, we shouldn't fix on things. It has to be like this. Has to be like that. Like space, it'll go anywhere. It'll go everywhere. If you open your mouth, uh, space comes. Space. It goes everywhere. So there's no no ego. That's the point. We become un, uh, unfixed, unestablished. Not me, not mine. Or, we, or our expectations has to be like this, has to be like that. Space doesn't have any expectations. Space will go wherever. Space is everywhere. And then he says, develop all sorts of other meditations. Develop meditation on loving kindness. Develop meditation on compassion. So loving kindness abandons ill will. Compassion abandons cruelty. Uh, sympathetic or altruistic joy uh, overcomes discontent. Equanimity overcomes aversion. Powellness overcomes lust. Develop meditation on the perception of impermanence. For when you develop meditation on the perception of impermanence, the conceit I am will be abandoned. 
And then finally, he says, develop meditation on mindfulness of breathing. And that ends the sutta. So these kind of reflections are useful. It's metta, M-E-T-A, like it's outside of our meditation. It's not, you're not actually meditating on water, but you're reminding yourself, you know, my meditation should be like water. You're getting a, a sense of how meditation should be. Meditation should be objective, not partial to this or that, not disgusted and not repelled, but also not attracted or enticed, addicted. Meditation should be like a judge trying to find the truth. So that's our quote today. Something to show y'all. See how far back I can go. Someone look at this. Very nice. It's beautiful. That's going to go downstairs somewhere. Thank you, whoever sent that. Blessings to you. Now, when I said wall hangings, I was thinking more. Uh, inspirational words but i suppose that's something that has to be made anyway it'd be nice to have this we'll find a place to put it you know it's you don't need buddhas hanging on your wall but in a monastery it's nice to have to make it look more like a monastery less like a house maybe we could put it in one of the windows and just have everyone see it Got that big Buddha from the Laotian monk. That was pretty nice. Very thoughtful of him. He got it at a garden store. <laughs> People buy these Buddha images and put them in their gardens. And in the store, they're, they're kept on the floor, which is a real no-no. Buddhists were getting kind of upset about all that. Some in the area were telling me, they just they just store the Buddhas on the floor. They probably have no idea. Most likely have no idea. Okay, so what else? Tomorrow we're having our first on-campus meditation session. See how that goes. Going to be teaching meditation on the lawn, the one of the lawns, big grassy areas in the middle of the university right where all the people are walking by. We'll see how that goes. Maybe it's a mistake, we'll see. Not sure if anyone's actually gonna show up. But the idea of having it like right there for our first one, like while well, the weather's still nice, is that people will see us and they'll be interested and they'll come over and meditate with us. Maybe no one, maybe people will be too afraid to meditate where people can see them. I don't think so. I think it'll be okay. Does anyone have any questions? We had a question yesterday that we didn't get to. And then I think also another one from one of our European viewers who can't quite make this time. Are they meditation questions? Yes. This first one is a meditation question. Is it important to do deep Metta to cultivate compassion. 
yesterday it was mentioned that an arahant can't live as long, can't live as a novice because nothing holds him to life. Should we? Sorry, it always flips there. Should should we develop compassion to liberate others or should it be compassion to liberate others that holds him into life? No, I see. So. No. No, compassion. I mean, the Buddha had this kind of compassion. That's what caused him to stick around for 45 years. But an arahant doesn't necessarily have that compassion, nor do they have the skill or the uh, ability to, to the extent that the Buddha did, that they would be invited in that way. So if they're invited to teach, they'll teach. I mean, an arahant won't kill themselves. But it's said that they can't live as a layperson, so they'll ordain or they'll pass away. This one isn't a meditation question, but it's, it's a monastic question. What's the rationale behind the monk ordination requiring the parents' consent? I don't know that there's so much rationale. The Buddha gave it as a uh, concession to his father, who was upset when the Buddha ordained Rahula. And so the king asked the Buddha to require parental permission because otherwise the parents would feel very sad. And so the Buddha, this is the story, the legend or the story. So the Buddha gave that, that allowance to his father. So you can take it with a grain of salt. I, I think there are certain instances where they just decide to ignore it. If, you know, Sariputta ignore, is said to have ignored it once. He said, you know, whatever, his parents are wrong view. Uh, just ordain him. I'll be his father. He was the Sariputta was the uncle of uh, Revata. And Revata was going to ordain. And Sariputta said, look, if he comes to you, he said to the other monks, if he comes to you, just ordain him. I'll be his parent. I'll be his father. I'm his father. His parents are wrong. have wrong view. So, I mean, in that in, in that sense, you could say that um, the real purpose is in cases where um, it was improper. You know, there was some reason that the parents, it would cause hardship for the parents, or it was just, you know, the parents had right view and were Buddhist or, or were understanding, but there was some other problem that has, hadn't been resolved yet. But I don't know. Um, it's an interesting one. Um, one thing that they do say is if you if you don't have a good relationship with your parents, meditation becomes very difficult, and that could be a very very much a reason for why the Buddha allowed it because allowed this concession, this rule. 
because you'll find you won't realize it, but a bad relationship with your parents is can can be quite hard to deal with. Can be. I suppose if you have no relationship with your parent parents, it might be a non-issue. But if you have a, a, a bad relationship with them, especially if you're the cause of that bad relationship, um, or if you've been hard on them or just said, I'm leaving and going to become a monk, it might come back and bite you if you, but once you ordain, make it difficult to find peace of mind. So it's a sort of a, you should at the very least be cautious and be careful about your relationship. Try to leave with a good relationship. And in, in worst case scenario, that what is recommended, you should read the Ratapala Sutta, which is just an awesome sutta about this guy who threatens his parents that he's going to starve himself. He says, if you don't let me ordain, I'm going to lie down on the ground and not eat. That was actually a religious practice in India, so I'll starve to death. And he did this like for a day or two and his parents tried to convince him and his friends tried to convince him. Finally, his friends said to his parents, look, if you let him ordain, you'll still get to see him at the monastery. If you don't let him ordain, he really is going to kill himself. He's going to just starve himself to death. So then finally the parents consented. Again, it's this sitting in the, sitting in the courtyard how far are you prepared to go? Do you really want to ordain? There's always a way. Are mudras useful at all? Mudras. Mudras. I mean, probably. It depends what you mean what for. We don't use them in our tradition. I'm sure people find them useful when they have certain goals that mudras are useful for, but not our tradition. It really, it really doesn't say most, much about posture at all in, in your booklet. So, you know, just to clarify, like the hands, just leave them however they're comfortable. One hand, the booklet doesn't say put one hand on top of the other? It might, but it, it's not very specific other than, Well, know. it shouldn't. I mean, the point isn't posture. The Buddha said, however the body, yata yata, panitang, the word panitang, however the body is uh, set, whatever posture the body is in, even if it's not standing, walking, sitting, lying down. You're crouching, you can do squatting meditation. Yeah, I just want to, you know, just get your clarification on that, because in other types it is so important. You're very particular about how you sit and how your hands yeah, are and so forth. Samatha, it can be useful to have a strong posture and that kind of thing. Yeah. But not so much vipassana. Bhante, how do you go about alms round on campus? I don't. I mean, on... Um, well, today someone came to the monastery here. Meghna came again. Oh, nice. And she wanted to come for breakfast, but I, I went for breakfast because I have a sort of a routine. And if I don't go by the routine, it's hard in the morning because, well, I, I mean, I could do it, but can feel my stomach complaining if I don't get some oatmeal. Uh, so I have that, and then she gave me lunch, and so I ate lunch on the on the grass outside on, at the university. But, you know, I have all these restaurant cards, so I'll go to the restaurant and 
have gift cards. I don't know if you knew about this. See, people have sent subway cards. And here's the card. I won't show the amount, but see, it's a little card. And I take that in and they swipe it and give me food. So people have sent these. So it's kind of, it's not an alms round. Eventually, I think there's a potential. If I get to know people in the area and they say they'd like to support me, then I can walk to their house or take a bus to their house or something. But for now, I don't think there are any people eager to offer alms. I'm, it's interesting. Someone sent me an email recently. The Ajahn Chah tradition, they um, they like to go walking. They, they, Ajahn Chah, I think, told them to go walking. So they do alms around knowing that no one's going to give to them. Um, or they did. And I'm not so keen on that. No, I understand it, and I don't think it's contrary to the to Buddhism, but it seems to me that it was more because they knew that there would be that people were um, people understood the alms round. I think it has to work the other way, or I, I personally would prefer it work the other way that um, you go because you have a sense that there are people who understand it. And if you don't know that there are people who understand it and who are there to offer, otherwise it seems like gratuitous advertising. You know what I mean? Like um, self-promotion in a sense. I'm not really criticizing them, and I think it's fine the way they're doing it, but I prefer to not do it that way. I'm trying not, I don't mean to be critical, you know, to each their own, that's their idea. But my decision would be, I think I've thought about it, and I think it would be better that way from my point of view. Wait until there are people, because it does work, you know, people ask, you know, what, how do you do? Well, you know, normally we go on alms round, but there's really no one here. And they say, oh, so would you come to my house? Yeah, sure, if you want to offer. You know, that's how it might someday happen. And then when you're going to their house, then people learn about it, but you have, you have kind of an excuse, so it doesn't look like you're just walking that, so that people notice. You know, it's not so, I'm not walking so you, hey, look at me kind of thing. And so that they come and ask and that you explain. And like it's not like you want them to learn. It's like they, then they can come because they want to learn. And But you say, oh, well, I'm going to this person's house. They've, you know, they're, they're, they, they sometimes offer me food. And then they can say, oh, well, I'd like to. I mean, it's not going to happen, but, you know, over time. In the beginning, people get interested in, in what you do and, and teaching meditation and so they come and learn meditation and once they learn meditation I mean it's considering it's free and you know it's, it's such a useful thing they think oh we better help keep this monk alive <laughs> you know that works I think that 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 way is uh, more organic to me one day are there other are there other Buddhist monks on campus besides yourself and venerable Dhamma? No, not that I know of. I don't think so. I mean, it is a very rare thing. I still get lots of looks. And lately people have been coming up to me. This weird, I got off the bus near the house here and this woman walks up to me and it was really bizarre. I have the most bizarre conversations with people. You ever have that where people just walk up to you and 
as apropos of nothing or or like uh non sequitur i don't know what the word is like it's just no context she starts uh talking about how she's really getting into living her life more creatively i think she was trying to find general words to relate what her spirituality was my you know to talk about spirituality in such general terms that it it would be applicable to me without having to ask about my specific practice because it sounded like she was just appreciating the fact that i was spiritual but it was more about the, this creative force which you know if she had ever actually asked me what i do i would have to say well you know, creative force is not really our thing creative is more we're a little bit more about less but i've had people so one guy came up to me after class i think he's even in one of my classes because after class you know there's a big rush of students and we're walking outside and he pulls up beside me and he says i just realized i've been watching you on youtube for two years <laughs> and he's like i was watching a video recently i said that's the guy on <laughs> that's that guy at mcmaster and a couple of other people come up this guy i mentioned uh, the philosopher he came up to me again today um he started reading my book he said he'll continue to read it maybe he's here tonight oh that's cool his name is teddy teddy i think Well, we got lots of posts, a lot of questions. We do. Does Bhante mean anything, or is it just a name? Bhante means uh, high one. I mean, it's not literal, but the point is, it's a, uh, it's, it's lift, raising someone up, not like level of king or something. It's just like good sir, kind of like in English, how we would say good sir but it's maybe a little bit higher than that because it's more like venerable or reverend, but maybe not the connotations of reverend, more the connotations of, you know, uh, sir. It's sir, like in a lifting someone up. Must walking meditation be done as slowly as you demonstrate in the video? I don't know how slow do I do? it doesn't it shouldn't be slow or fast if you if you feel like it's slow then you should note that if it feels like it's fast then you should note that it shouldn't feel like it's fast or slow and you shouldn't be worried about the actual uh, walking it's the movements that you should be aware of one movement and then start on the other movement and you should be able to be aware of the beginning the middle and the end of the movement so if you can be aware of all three of those that's slow enough would you recommend a meditation retreat with the Boana society in west virginia they describe themselves as theravada in the forest tradition in the context of western culture how might their meditation method differ from yours would i recommend it i mean on the one hand i can't really recommend another tradition right it's not my place to do so but you know i can say that buddhist meditation in general especially theravada meditation is 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 great 
you know, there's lots of different traditions, and if it's an established Theravada tradition, then it's great, even if it's just loving-kindness meditation or whatever, you know. Um, I think the Bhavana Society is a little bit critical of the Mahasi Sayada tradition, I'm not sure, but it seems to me they're pretty clear about you should practice the jhanas. Bhante Gunaratana is the head leader there. We, we've actually been in contact by email before for, for Pali things, and he invited me to visit there if I'm ever in the area. So he knows about me. I know, I know who he is for sure. But he wrote um, Mindfulness in Plain English and something like the jhanas in Theravada Buddhism. I think he's, he's keen on the jhanas. I did read part of Mindfulness in Plain English, and it seems you know it's it's a different different from what we do so um but the specifics of how it differs i'm not sure you know i mean a lot of it's just in presentation in the end it might be very similar probably he doesn't uh, i i would assume he doesn't enjoin his his students to note to use to interpret mindfulness as as it's interpreted in the Vasudhimaga as reminding yourself. Like if you're practicing earth, it's earth, earth, earth. If you're practicing death, you actually say death, death, death. If you're practicing um, loving kindness, it's well then they then they actually do it. Like may all beings be happy, may all beings be happy and so on. But um, you know they tend to tend to not encourage that same technique for insight meditation there's an idea that insight meditation is practiced differently it's just watching which we disagree with we would say all meditation is best performed with the mantra Bhante, how should one face quitting from a phd that is affecting mental health but one is concerned about not getting a job so i think quitting a PhD program. I see. Well, you have to ask what's more important, wealth or health? And what's more important, physical health or mental health? You can be a beggar on the street, but if you have your mental health is good, you can get by. If your mental health is not good, you can live in a mansion. And You know, how many PhDs are there out there who are egotistical and you know not not bad people necessarily but ordinary people with no special qualities and there are phds who are have special qualities i suppose well for sure um but i would i, I would argue, argue that probably the phd is not affecting your mental health it's your own uh gilesa that will affect your mental health if you practice meditation while you're in the PhD program, it should become a lot easier. Try to up your meditation game, you know. Um, read my booklet, How to Meditate, if you like this, this tradition. And you know, try to practice while you study. I find schools really easy. You know, I have a lot of things going on now, so I'm not sure that everything's fitting. You know, there's enough holes for everything enough slots to fit everything in but as far as school goes i've just latin is is it's supposed to be difficult 
other people are there's other smart people in the class but there's it's really as a meditator school becomes so much easier i'm just able to pick up what disco discere disco discere didiki no and there isn't a, there isn't a participle for that one lego legere legi uh, lectum okay. I can conjugate my Latin verbs not perfect actually my brain is is mush after I, I tell you the dengue really did a did a number on my brain but it still works what do you mean by dengue dengue I don't know how you pronounce it dengue when I was in Sri Lanka, I got dengue and I was in the hospital. And oh, when I okay. came out, my brain just wasn't the same. I felt older. Like oh, I had okay. aged. In three days in the hospital, I had aged like 10 years or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dengue is pretty rough. The skin on my hands and feet peeled off. Uh, these lines under my eye, I don't think they were there before. You can see, wait, where are they? There's like, I have crow's feet or whatever you call these things. I don't think they were there before I went into the hospital. Mind you, I didn't really have a mirror during that time. so and It's only one under one eye. Ever since I've been doing walking meditation, doing sitting has made me very drowsy. What should one do to overcome this? Well, you may not have enough energy to do so much walking. Um, but, you know, usually drowsiness and sitting is a sign of imbalance, which, you know, is, is common if you're not doing intensive meditation. Intensive meaning consecutive meditation after meditation, like eight hours a day kind of thing. Uh, and instead are going to work and, and are thinking a lot. Or, or physically active. So it's not something to be that worried about. It's natural. You're not going to have perfect meditation if you're living your life in the world. Heck, for perfect meditation isn't really a thing in our tradition. It's not about having a perfect meditation. It's about rolling with the punches and being flexible. Like judo or jujitsu or something, you know. Do you have any tips on how to be more mindful while doing a physically fast-paced job? You can acknowledge generally. You don't have to acknowledge very specific. I did uh, tree planting for one summer. I was living in a monastery during my school year, and then when school, when the school year ended, I moved back to my parents, I think, and and then went tree planting. I had a horrible company. Some of the companies that do tree planting are really not very moral, but um, it was okay. We uh, were planting in swamps and so on, and way up in Hearst, Ontario, which the, the mosquitoes come out in black clouds, like literally hundreds of mosquitoes swarming you. And there were meditate. There, uh, there were tree planters going crazy. I remember planting once. In my, and I was in my row, and a couple of rows over, suddenly there was a scream, uh, and I, you know, jumped over 
just to see what was wrong and it was just the mosquitoes <laughs> someone was freaking out there were just so many mosquitoes so you learn to you learn to plant your shovel and then roll your shoulder if you roll your shoulder in the right way you can knock some of the mosquitoes off okay yeah so but the point being it was intense and you had to plant uh thousands of of trees in a day so it, it becomes quite repetitive and if the task is repetitive that helps you know then you can develop new forms of meditation like if it's hammering it's hammering meditation if it's planting it's placing pulling pushing kicking you know I mean, you can't expect it to be perfect, especially if you start to get tired. But meditation, think of it as moments. If you can be mindful for a moment, then you've meditated, you've done something, you've changed something. You've planted a seed which can evolve, grow into a habit. And it's the habits that we're trying to grow. So you start analyzing, examining your life and cultivating mindful habits. It had to be challenging with the first precept there with all those mosquitoes. No. That was, well, it was one night. Um, I was in a little tent up in the woods, and I got up in the middle of the night to to urinate. So I, I unzipped the zip the, the tent, got out, went to do my thing, came back and realized I'd left the zipper open, and my tent was full of mosquitoes. Uh, actually, I cheated. I had a almost a be a full body uh, screen and so I wouldn't even wear a shirt I wasn't a monk of course back then um, yeah just to qualify I wasn't a monk I wasn't tree planting as a monk for sure not you had to eat three meals a day big meals a day just to do this kind of work um, but yeah I had a full body uh, mosquito and then I wore gloves no not gloves you don't need them on your hand and so it was quite easy actually but one day I forgot this mosquito thing and that's when I learned this rolling your shoulder <laughs> funny so yeah that night so I had to zip up the zipper and then this little cup and I had to catch the mosquitoes one by one and put them out while they're buzzing around trying to get me that was a fun night. I extended walking meditation from 30 minutes to 60 minutes today, but I found I became very distracted in the last 20 minutes. Should I shorten the time or is it okay to be distracted in this way, provided at some point you realize what is happening? Well, that would be the time when you'd switch to sitting. Definitely you can do that. That's considered proper. Once you start to get distracted, you could try to deal with it. The Buddha encouraged that, you know, not changing your posture until you've dealt with something. But walking meditation generally encourages distraction. So you might want to instead switch to sitting. Once you feel that you're just too distracted, this isn't helping, you sit down, do sitting meditation instead. And follow up, are there tips for st staying concentrated for longer periods? you want to stay concentrated for longer periods? Well, if he bumped up the walking from 30 to 60, I'm guessing he's also bumping up the sitting from 30 to 60, maybe. But he wants so. he wants to stay concentrated for longer periods. 
Mm -hmm. Well, he, he didn't say he wanted to. He just said, are there tips for staying I, concentrated? I said, I'm <laughs> asking, do you want to stay concentrated for longer periods? Maybe the problem is not where you think the problem is. Sounds like expectation. If you want to, if you feel like you're discouraged because you're not concentrated, it's discouraged, discouraged. It's showing you something. Showing you non-self. What is a common objection to the Mahasi Sayadaw method by other schools? I know. Why are you asking me that? I'm not allowed to answer that. I I read a couple of criticisms. Well, there are no re there are no reasonable criticisms. Our tradition's perfect. There's a book, um, Satipatthana Vipassana, Criticisms and Replies. And it's just an awesome back and forth between this fairly rude Sri Lankan monk and a really uh, well-read and well-spoken Burmese monk. Of course, I'm biased, but um, it's amazing back and forth. But you have to appreciate you have to appreciate the commentarial tradition to, to get what they're talking about because it's very involved in commentary and back and forth about quoting this and quoting that. But just an awesome book to read. But basically the criticism is you need the jhanas to, you, you must practice the jhanas before you can practice insight meditation. The criticism that I had read was actually about the um, focus on sleeping as little as possible. Is that something you can talk about? No. No. Well, okay. I guess I could. Um, what, what is the objective of sleeping minimally? Well, that's not the Mahasi Sahara tradition. That's Buddhism in general. Sudesu Bahujagaro. When others are sleeping, they have energy. They are energetic. Sleeping, you can't be mindful when you sleep. Yeah, the, what I was reading, it was actually, it was an academic paper being quite critical of the Mahasi Sayadaw method, and it kind of mm -hmm. pinpointed that, so. It's funny. Well, you know, academics, they don't know anything. Tend to be critical. They don't know what they're talking about. Can you talk about how the practice has helped you deal with something so awful as having dengue with your skin peeling off? Well, the skin peeling off was nothing. That's, it didn't hurt. It's just an after effect. It's an after effect of dengue. They, the, a woman in our village had it and she showed me, yeah, her skin was peeling off as well. It's just like just weird. I don't know why your skin peels off. Just, just the palms of your hands and the palms of your, the soles of your feet. But uh, dengue was pretty awful. You know, it wasn't, let me see. It was just like having a really, really bad fever. So it was hard to eat. Couldn't really eat much. I think that's true. Like for three days, I didn't eat or I ate very little. What did I eat? Yeah, they brought me food and I couldn't eat it. Couldn't stomach hardly anything. 
bread, I think. I think when I brought bread, I could just eat with bread. Okay, so how does meditation help with all of that? It's harder when you're sick, you know? It's, it's, um, it's easier to slip into discontent. So, you know, I mean, there's no trick. You're either mindful or you're not. And that's every moment. It doesn't transfer from one moment to the next. Not exactly. It becomes habitual. But it's still something you have to do here and now. Bhante, does astrology play a role in meditation? Can knowledge of out be merged with peace from within? Not that I know of. I mean, you could argue that it's functionally useful to know your horoscope if those things actually do have do play a part in our fate. You know? But it's just functional. It's like reading, reading a weather report. You could say, is reading a weather report useful for meditation? Well, yes, because then you know whether you can do walking meditation outside today. Bhante, you said that you can't be mindful during sleep. Is lucid dreaming being mindful and useful, or should it be avoided? I don't know. I've never been into lucid dreaming. I doubt it. I doubt you're truly mindful. But could happen. You know, because lucid dreaming would would be not sleep. Would It would be an astral... Uh, something like astral travel, an out-of-body experience, that kind of thing. So it is a question whether during astral travel can you be mindful. I think in general, mm, I don't know, too speculative, not interested. Sorry. So definitely not a goal of, of anything of a meditative lifestyle to try to be aware that you're dreaming when you're dreaming. Not my goal. Well, that was a lot of questions. That was a lot of questions. Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Oh. In my experience, contemplation is rarely spoken of in Mahasi Sayadaw tradition. I understand why one is advised to leave contemplation aside in formal re meditation retreats, but why isn't it ever encouraged in daily life, or is it? Well, the Mahasi Sayadaw tradition is a, is, is a meditation tradition. It's not a daily life tradition. It doesn't, doesn't address the daily life. The tradition is... This is specifically about the meditation. So as insofar as it talks about daily life, it talks about those activities that are uh, conducive for uh, progress in the meditation, which is just meditation. There's no trick. You know, there, well, there are lots of tricks, but in the end, they're not a substitute. The only way to get better at meditating is me to meditate. And that's not, it's different from contemplating.
Thank you, Bante. Your answers were very helpful to me. That was from Joshua. We have an exchange student from Italy at McMaster who emailed me. Don't know how she got my email. Maybe she's on our Buddhism Association list. I'm not quite sure. But she emailed me and she wants to learn how to meditate. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we have to work out the food for Sunday. Oh, um, the other thing that came today is the, the your package, Robin. Thank you for that. The, oh. All the gifts for the monks. Well, certainly. I think some of it was delayed and we'll be there tomorrow. Okay. Well, there were three um, Burt's Bees things, which is, you know, it's okay, but everything else there were four of. I think those were supposed to be two in a package or something. That was the way I understood it. It's the only yeah. thing that there's not four of, besides okay. the toilet paper. <laughs> the toilet paper wasn't gift for the monks. <laughs> that was just, uh, you know, <laughs> one of those useful things. Thank you. Certainly. Hmm. Maybe there's something else that can be filled in on, on that basket. I was so sure it said there were two of two of them in that, but we had a meeting tonight. We're having our first meeting on our first general meeting of the McMaster Buddhism Association on September thirtieth. That's our plan. We booked a room. So I should start broadcasting that, let people know. And then on the 20th, we have the thing here. Are you going to, did you say we're going to broadcast the, the meeting or? Not broadcast, just let people here know. Just communicate that there's a meeting. Mm. Anyway, let's uh, say goodnight and see you all tomorrow. Thank you, Bante. Good night. Thank you, Robin.